Good morning, church. Good morning. Well, three quarters of you are with me. Good morning, church. Good morning. And a special welcome to those who are worshiping with us via technology. It's good to come into the house of the Lord, isn't it? We're going to look at an object lesson in life today, just as Jesus often taught through parables and stories and things around him, um, in terms of geography, situations in life, those types of things. We're going to go to scripture and reflect on a couple of illustrations out of scripture and out of life. As we do so, let's ask for God's leading. Father, as we gather here this morning, Lord, it's with thankful hearts. As you've allowed us to gather, Father, so feed us from your throne of grace by the presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we turn our thoughts to you. We will look at scripture this morning. We will look at life. And may those two intersect to draw us into a closer relationship with you. We ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. Today, we will work from the micro to the meta. That is from the small to the large. We will work from the local to the worldwide. A year ago, this time of year, there was something going on in the Santa Clarita Valley. It was the 20th annual event. 5,000 people gathered, most of them wearing walking or running shoes. I like to hear about people running a marathon. Do you? Let me ask you the question. How many here today have ever walked or ran in a marathon? Come on, raise your hand high. One, two, three, four. That's pretty representative. About a half a million people a year running marathons, considering we have, I believe, 320, thought 20 million people in the United States. It's a very small percentage. I like to hear about it so much so that I get excited and I always pledge I'm going to do it next year. <laughs> have you ever made that promise? Maybe not run, but walk. So next year you will see me somewhere on the starting line, probably in the walking division. It's always good to try things, new things, old things, things that challenge us. So I want to share with you I, uh, a couple of marathon stories this morning. Would you hand that to me, please? One piece of technology I promised myself. I was going to set this timer for, in light of a marathon, for 27 minutes, which is <laughs> one minute per mile. Um, so one year ago, there was a young man who was 24 years old. His name was Brandon a graduate of Saugus High, who ran in the race, the local race here. 
And he had a finishing time that was fast enough to finish first out of 341 finishers of the Santa Clarita Marathon. November 8th, he finished with a time of two hours, 38 minutes in 18 seconds, according to the official race time, which was fast enough to qualify him for the Boston Marathon. Well, many people finish a marathon, and they finish it in record time to be first. His story is a little different for the following reasons. He, he, uh, he reports that day, I wasn't scared of my cancer anymore. That day I realized just because bad things have happened to me doesn't mean I still can't do good things. The day everything changed in my life, for the first time in a very long time, I felt invincible. For he had a rare form of leukemia. He had the previous year run a half a marathon. He continued, I wanted to win the race for all the people who supported me and still do in my running career in battle against cancer. I also realized that cancer can be such an unpredictable and scary aspect of life. I have no idea how long I'll be competing or how long I'll be here, which is why winning this race was so important to me. So he had reasons to run that race, which far exceeded that race. Do you have reasons to run a different marathon that you might be in, in the battle of life? You see, our life is never just linear in nature. When a person accepts Christ and begins a relationship with Christ, Things are not always just a nice, steady progression in a spiritual walk with the Lord. If you've been a Christian more than two or three days, you will realize that there are hills to climb, there are peaks, there are valleys, and it's, it's a journey of long range. Do you find that to be the case? Do you ever find yourself ascending to one height only to find yourself through the powers of the evil one descending into the valley of despair. Running strong and hard only to hit a barrier. I want to share with you just a few other insights from marathon runners. His name was Faluji Singh and he was running in the Ontario Waterfront Marathon. A typical marathon runner might take four hours to finish a marathon. It took him eight hours, but it was quite an accomplishment for him because he was 100 years old. Now, if you're 35 and thinking you're too old to ever finish a marathon, take a little hope, will you? Please, an inspiration. He ran his first marathon at age 89 and set several age-related records in spite of the seven marathons he's run since. Dressed in bright yellow with matching turban and a chest-long white beard, he told his coach as he turned the final quarter, 
corner of the course that achieving this marathon is like getting married again at a hundred years of age. Perhaps if you find yourself wondering, can you, can you continue? Look at those who've run the race before you. Another inspirational story is from a man who had great difficulty in just the task of running at all. Multiple sclerosis had sabotaged his normally functioning nerves and muscles. His name was Patrick Finney. On New Year's Day, 1998, the Texas software engineer woke with numbness in his legs. The, di uh, the diagnosis the doctors gave him was multiple sclerosis. By 2004, he was unable to walk. But with the help of medications and physical therapy, he gained strength that he could stand and eventually walk unassisted. The first year was a struggle for me, he quoted as saying, I was going through a pair of running tennis shoes every two weeks because I was scraping my feet. I couldn't pick them up fully and I would drag them. This, this September in Washington, the 48-year-old finished his 50th marathon in 50 states. Can you say amen? There are many things that come into our lives that, that are obstacles that seem unachievable. But the human will combined with God's will can overcome almost every obstacle. Can you say amen? A third story. There's only two more after this, and they're brief. This one I can relate to. It was the coldest marathon on record. Some purists thought um, it might object to a half marathon being on this list. They should. The Siberian Alaska Marathon, in case you're wondering where it takes place in Siberia, was indeed a place of record cold temperatures. It was a heat wave with an average temperature of minus 39 degrees below Fahrenheit. It got as low as 44 below. Of the 134 people who started the race, only 11 finished. You can probably understand why frozen out of that marathon. There is a record, the third story very quickly, there is a record of most consecutive marathons. You see Stefan Ingalls hurt his foot. It was January 18, 2010. He had set out for himself the goal that year to run a marathon every day of the year. You say, wow, I would, wouldn't you? 20, 26.129 miles every day, shoes on, let's go. On the 18th day of the year, he had injured his foot. So he planned that he would ride a hand-powered tricycle instead, but he decided that really wouldn't count towards consecutive marathons. So he rested for 18 days after the injury, and he started again for 300 
and 65 days straight he ran a marathon, thereby exceeding the previous world records of consecutive marathons of 52 days. You're going, wow, I'm tired just thinking about it. <laughs> I don't know about you. That's nearly 10,000 miles during that year. He went through 25 pairs of shoes. The last story, in 1996, there was one person who through sheer will and human determination just broke through the wall of a marathon. Utah Pippick became intensely ill three quarters of the way through the marathon. And the marathon writer describes that by all outward appearances, she should have quit. Approaching the last two miles, she dug deep, and by willpower and sheer grit, she overtook the lead runner to win her third straight Boston Marathon with a huge smile on her face. Oh, wouldn't it be fun to run a marathon? What does it take to run a marathon? It takes more than just a wish. It takes more than just thinking about it. It takes getting up off the couch. That's probably the first step. It takes practice. It takes training. It takes signing up. It takes getting in to the race. We're going to look at that uh, and develop that thought from based on our scriptures. There's another race that's going on currently, a different kind of race. It's a race that finishes November 8th. Oh boy, now I've gone to meddling. <laughs> Let me just say this, in that race, you should vote. You should vote. Render unto Caesar's that which is Caesar's, and unto God that which is God. You have a conscience. You can make a decision. You can make a, di you can make a difference. Yeah. You need to vote. Yes. I listen to a commentator, and my head is just splitting when I think of that race. <laughs> How in the world did we ever get to this degree of, the, of some of the third grade language that's going on on the world stage. But let me tell you this, as bad as that third grade language is, it's not so bad. I heard one commentator say, he was asked, have you ever heard such divisiveness in the nation? He said, I remember a time that 650 people, 650,000 people gave their lives for their country in a civil war so that we might one day all have civil rights and be free. In context, it's all right to disagree. You only learn through civil discourse. You're only taught through civil discourse. 
having said all of that, go vote. And I will tell you the results. What will happen on November 8th and November 9th? On November 8th, the sun will go down. And on November 9th, the sun will come up. But do your civil duty and go vote so that race might come to a conclusion in some, some form and fashion. Okay, back to the marathon. Different kind of race. First Corinthians, you've read the passage uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of God. We have a race to run. We have a challenge set before us to follow our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27, writes these words, Know you not, that they which run in a race, run all, but one receives the prize, so run that you might obtain. And every one that strives for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they which do it to an obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so I fight, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I preach to others I myself shall be a castaway. So we're called to run. We're called to look to Jesus. And the scripture says, laying aside everything that so easily besets us. Do you see the image, the imagery of the runner who has his Nikes on and he picks up the backpack filled with 35 pounds of rocks, straps it on his back, and he goes to the starting line, and he's ready to go. And you're thinking in your mind, that's a ludicrous illustration, isn't it? But when we come to Jesus, we lay aside those things that so easily beset us. He takes that backpack of rocks and issues and cares and he lifts it off of our backs, the forgiveness for sin, the transformation of character, the likeness of Christ he wants to pour into us to allow us to run the race unencumbered for him. I'm asking you today, how is it in your life as you're running that race this week, this day. Some of us go to the starting line every day, caring more about the things of this world than the things of God. Have you found that to be the case? 
Some of you have complexities of issues that are beyond your control in your life, and you don't know how to work them out. And it doesn't seem there's a way out or there's any hope in the future, and you didn't bring it upon yourself. It was thrust upon you because of the complexity of life, difficulties at work, health difficulties, estranged relationships in every form and variation. And you're just at the depths and ready to give up. You've hit the wall. Meyer Malker, 22 in the marathon, of life, and you can barely go on. Blessed is he, blessed is her, that continue and endureth unto the end. It takes pacing. It takes being committed. It takes being never distracted. For you see, when the, when the sound of the gun signals the start of the marathon, the marathon runner has one task in mind and one focus. He is, he or she is, has his or hers eyes, that runner is looking for one thing, and that's focusing on the finish line. Never distracted, looking forward, always aware of where they're heading and what their goal is and the cares of the world press in to distract the Christian. Pace yourself. You'll hit the wall, but endure. Move forward. Never be distracted. I read one of the great dangers of somewhat novice marathon runners. I enjoyed reading about them so much. I got so much pleasure out of it. I'm marking the next one on my calendar. I'll be there, and hopefully in tennis shoes running shoes. How about you? You want to try it? Walking shoes for some of you. One of the dangers is that an inexperienced runner will overhydrate themselves. And there's all kinds of technical medical names for it, but you drink too much water, your salt balance, your, your body uh, salt, um, the salt in your blood becomes to water down and all kinds of bad things happen. I'm going to put it uh, in my terms I can understand. Bad things happen in your brain, your body shuts down, and you die. Thank you. You can tell me the, the technical piece. It's, um, I was waiting for a cue from one of our doctors. It's all right. So the salt, salt becomes in, imbalanced. Don't be afraid. You don't have to drink that much water. You won't die. Take the marathon slowly. Just be careful of that. The warning was, you know, you'll never, you'll never, a doctor said, you'll never die from dehydration. And the oddity of the story is, it was a story of a physician who was 28 years old who took in too much water. Why do I say that? It's a lesson from the marathon. Oftentimes, uh, as Christians, We'll want, we'll want an inpouring and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we'll get in a tough spot in life and we'll say, Lord, just give me some water from the wellspring of life. And he'll open it up. And it's if you're not used to it, it's like drinking from a fire hose. Sometimes it's just too much to take in at once. So rather than 
running so hard. Stay in the word. Connect with the spirit. Let that spirit take you through the valleys, up the peaks, across the flatlands. Run with, with the certainty that Christ is with you. Run to the finish. Be faithful till the end. So how is it you're going to be faithful? Hebrews chapter 12, you read, uh, looking unto Jesus. But Hebrews 11 talks about, by faith, they passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, kingdoms were subdued. By faith, the power of God is present in your life. I like to hear the stories of the marathon runners, don't you? We're going to come back to them in just a half a second. There's one other piece that came across into my small world this last week. I don't remember if it was Wednesday evening. I watched one baseball game this year. One. One. It just happened, I turned it on. Guess which one it was? Game seven of what? Of the World Series. Game seven of the World Series. If you, if you, if you missed it, you know, here's a spoiler before you see it. So game seven, I, I was really rooting for the underdog. Anyone who can come back from three to one for game seven is good. And I was resting just comfortably halfway through. I said, six, three, it's a shoe in. Then it was six, six, and I'm going, oh no. And I fell asleep in the eighth inning. And I woke up in the ninth inning and it was tied. And I thought, oh, they're going down. Now, mind you, I believe it had been 107, 108 years since his team, and they had run, won the World Series two times before. Two times before. But 108 years had gone by, and they were still playing ball. What in the world for? Didn't they know they were losers? 108 years. So I'm just sitting there and going, Okay, let's put this, let's put this, you know, let's get to the bottom of this real quick. I was quite relieved when they scored. And then I just had to say, okay, only three more, only two more, only one more out, and it was over. That wasn't the end. A hundred and eight years later, what do you think they did? I was really surprised when I punched it in on Google. When they got home, how large a crowd do you think there was? Take a guess. The estimate was five million people. Did you catch that? Five million people gathered to celebrate. Now let me share with you the context and the scope of what that, that number means. It's the seventh largest gathering in recorded history. Seventh largest gathering. Five million people. A hundred and eight years later. What in the world for? A simple baseball game. Hmm. What can we learn from that? Keep trying. 
Stay in the race. Get up off the couch. Endure. By faith. Walk with Christ. Because what waits you is better than any World Series championship. Better than finishing a marathon. Because the author and finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ, says, stay in the race. Be faithful. Can you see in your mind's eye gathering around his throne of grace? It says thousands upon ten thousands of angels and believers worshiping Christ. I can't wait to be there. How about you, friends? How about you? But in order to be there, you have to get up off the pews and into the race and train and be faithful and look to Jesus for that day is coming soon. Will he find you faithful until then? Run, run strong in the race. Let us pray. Father, as we've reflected on life today, and you're inviting us to follow you, to place our lives, to bring our lives into submission with your will. Father, bless us with your presence. Empower us by your spirit that we might look unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. That we look forward, not for an earthly crown, not for a trophy, but we look forward to seeing Jesus face to face. Father, bless us that we might be faithful until that day when we will finish the race and see him face to face. We ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. Amen.